0: by Pearson Harnish but a huge third down you conversion got the game the on the side yep. on the move down to the 24 yard line of St Francis Who's winning? He, he won't the say the score. Late up and waited for the pass. Short drop Come out of the on, gun. Who's winning? Right falls towards the right corner complete to Vander Cooey, who steps across the plane. Uh, say the damn score. <laughs> You're listening to the original Say the Damn Score podcast, part of the Say the Damn Score podcast network. Here's your host, Logan Anderson. Welcome to episode 82 of the Say the Damn Score podcast. As you just heard the big voice guy say, I'm Logan Anderson, a freelance sportscaster in the Twin Cities metro area. As always, this podcast is dedicated to the sportscasting industry and sharing stories and ways to improve from different people all over the country at all levels of the business. And for this week's guest, we have an extra special introduction. A long time ago at a radio station not so far away, Minnesota's biggest Star Wars fan was hired as a producer at KFan and rose in the ranks to become the most powerful sports brand in the upper Midwest, at least one of them. Right now I'm joined by Chad Abbott. He is the uh, program director for KFAN in Minneapolis, And Chad, thanks for joining us on the Say the Damn Score podcast.
1: Thanks, Logan. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me.
0: It's my pleasure. And one of the things I'd like to ask just about everybody as a jumping-off point as we get into the conversation is just how you ended up getting into radio. At what point did you catch the bug, so to speak?
1: You know, I caught the bug as a kid, playing sports growing up and having a little bit of an interest. And, um, you know, I remember as a kid, uh, you know, ordering all the different, ma- you know, the Athlons magazine to get a preview of, of whatever sports season was upcoming. And, and I kind of just had that, you know, that thirst, obviously, that, that you weren't able to quench with the internet that you can now. So I found myself listening to radio. I was that, I was that kid that would, uh, you know, fall asleep with the, with the radio at night listening to, the, to a Twins game or a North Stars game and then, was also that guy that would sneak the walkman into the class and, and, and feed the headphones through your sleeve so you could put your hand on your ear and listen to the high school hockey tournament. So I kinda had radio uh kinda a company that that love for sports I had at the time and then it's kinda developed into a love for the format.
0: Did you ever get caught with your radio in class?
1: Oh sure. But you know, back at the time before you had internets and, and you could get scores on your phone, I, I would I wasn't the only one, so um you know, some Some of the teachers we had I remember would roll the t v in and we get to watch the high school hockey tournament, or uh you know I remember the eighty seven World Series doing the same thing. I think there was a day game it was either eighty seven or ninety one one of them had an afternoon game um in which we listened so uh generally, if you were caught, somebody else was doing it because it was a big event that everybody wanted to pay attention to.
0: Did you ever just try to explain to them that this is going to be better off as I grow older than knowing algebra? <laughs>
1: No, you know, uh, yeah, in hindsight, I wish I could have said that. I wish I, wish I could have said, that. I might not know what I'm doing in calculus, but it's not going to matter when I get into radio, so let me listen. Yeah, I, I didn't have that sort of, uh, I, I didn't plan ahead well enough to realize that was going to be my lot in life, but yeah,
0: it probably would have allowed me to listen a little bit more for sure. So let's just uh, start by just telling, going through your career story, and I've done some reading there's a few blanks that you'll need to fill in but if i'm correct you started off by going to school at north dakota state before transferring back to the twin cities to go to concordia what were those decisions made for um as far as growing your radio career
1: man yeah you did your homework i did yeah i went to north north dakota state for a year and when i was up there i uh, interned at a sports radio station um in, uh, Fargo, that no longer exists. It was called the FAN, ironically, and it was, uh, AM 1550. And so I interned there, and it was not too far from campus, so I was able to drive there, and, um believe it or not, they ran, uh, New York Yankee games, so I was the board out for New York Yankee games oftentimes. Um and, uh, so, so I did that, and I fell in love with it, and then I came back that summer, and a friend of mine was gonna interview for an internship at KFAN, and told me they were hiring a few of them, so I went along with them, and, and interviewed here at KFN and got the job. And then at the time I, I, uh, transferred to the University of St. Thomas. That was, that was my second choice for college anyway. So I transferred down to the University of St. Thomas. That's technically where I spent most of my, uh, my college learning. And then I started interning and became a part-time employee later that summer. And, uh, as part of the employment, I got an endorsement for Concordia who, uh, was, was kind of new at the time and, and offering online classes and, uh, and night classes for working adults. So the reason I transferred to Concordia, and I'm glad I did, was to finish my degree as part of an endorsement. Um, So, yeah, so St. Thomas is actually where I spent most of my college.
0: And when I see people who make it to high levels of the, the sports broadcasting industry, it usually seems like they take one of two paths. They jump around from lots of markets, generally climbing a little bit higher with each one, or they start with a low position in a big market and just... Move up within. You definitely took path number two. You started off as a producer at KFAN after you were an intern and eventually rose up to program director from that entry level position. Give us the Cliff Notes version of how you ascended to that level.
1: Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's actually uh, quite a similar path to many of the, the staff, the current on air staff that you, that you listen to on KFVN. Um, you know, if you if you want to stick around and put the work in and be available and, 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 and uh, not worry about what position you're holding at the time, you can kind of work yourself up. And that's what a lot of us did. So yeah, I, I started after the internship when they hired me to be part-time, it was to work overnights. And you know, this is before automation existed. So I would run ESPN radio overnights. And then when they needed something during the day, I should, I would just always say yes, just always say yes. And that, that included nights and weekends. And if you put the work in and and you, you know, allows you to, it allows you to to learn a lot at the same time. So um, I I didn't see any reason to not uh, do more. You know, a lot of of times people will wait for the paycheck before they'll start saying yes, or they'll wait for the opportunity that they want before they'll say yes. And and myself as well as a lot of guys here in the the office just did whatever we could to help out and learn about the business and, and to, to show our, to show our value. So that's kind of what I did. I just, just kind of, Worked my way up, and every time there was an opportunity to do something, I would do it, whether it was hosting a PSA show or helping them do commercial production or running to a press conference or whatever it would be. Um, just just said yes a lot until uh, until they realized that we all were creating enough value and enough knowledge that we could be useful in, in, in many different ways.
0: What makes a good producer on a sports talk station? Because you worked with a lot of different talent and I'm assuming did everything you can to make them better in the process. What did you do that you thought worked and that you think uh, an aspiring producer should strive to do as well?
1: Well, you know, it's, it's, it's quite a different job um, from what it was 20-something years ago when I, when I first started. You know, at the time... In a, in a typical radio studio you would have a board operator the guy that would push the buttons and play the music and things like that play and play the commercials um and then you would have a producer that would sit uh within the room and would help supply the the host with knowledge with with stats with stories with ideas with concepts with bit you know ideas um and, and while it's it's more it's kind of dwarfed into or melted into more of a melted into more of a um um uh, an idea-driven position now than it used to be. You know, it used to be, I mean, when I first started, I would get. Fa- I'd call a different city and say, hey, can, you know, if the Vikings were playing the, the Bears and there was a couple of good stories in the Chicago Tribune, I'd call somebody in Chicago and they would fax me that, that article so I could supply it to the host to read because um, we didn't have the Internet back then. We had a couple of different sports wires that would give you clips, but we didn't have that. So you were seeking storylines and content at the time. Well, now the hosts can pretty much do that on their own if they're looking for something they can just search that so it's a lot different than it used to be then um, so so the positions are different so currently right now what you're looking for is almost more of a sidekick in a producer and somebody that can support the host and supply them not only with good bid ideas but can kind of uh, enhance ideas they have um, in the form of production or in the form of music or in the form of um, putting them in in, in the, the light that would kind of fit that idea that they might have so it's it's a lot different that's a i know a long-winded answer but there's two different positions now the one that exists now and the one that existed 20 years ago so um i I think just always coming up with entertaining ideas and content is is a little bit more important now than it used to be because back at the time you were looking more for information and now you're looking more for entertainment
0: did you ever have ambitions to host your own show or did you always want to be behind the scenes in the background as that producer or uh, management role?
1: No, I did. I, I did want to be a host. I certainly did. I think almost everybody that gets in the business uh, thinks that they want to do that. Um, I just realized that my best path would be to stay behind the scenes. And, I, you know, I, I like supporting. Um, I like, uh, you know, I've been a high school coach for a long time as well. I, I like being in that guy that can kind of help people get the best out of themselves. and. Um, I, I got lucky. I landed with uh, the p and Bay show uh, years ago, and I, I started, you know, at the time, I still thought I wanted to be a host, but as I got to help that show grow and come up with ideas, and, you know, we had such a great talent in Paul Allen that just giving him ideas and watching him do stuff, I was like, well, maybe that's better for me to, to be behind the scenes, and uh, I, I like managing. I like, you know, I, I don't want to say I'm really a coach for radio, but I like working with the guys and helping them um, through situations, so I, I, I kind of, found myself enjoying that as much as when i would turn on the microphone um and i, I if you can find value in that and you can find rewards in that i, I think that's what you kind of lean towards and that's what i ended up doing
0: what's it like working with paul allen he's been on this podcast he's a big personality uh what's it like working with him on a day-to-day basis a talent like that
1: we're really blessed here we have a lot of really good guys and really good talent here and they've been here for a long time uh, but i've worked with paul you know the most uh, consistently since I've been here because I started working on his show you know Paul w- was calling races at Canterbury uh at, at Canterbury Park and he would come in on Saturdays to do a or weeknight I can't remember the day but he'd come in once a week to do a radio show um from Can- about Canterbury and about horse racing and I was the producer for that so he'd come in once a week and I got to know him doing that and then he started doing sports updates and then he started doing a weekend show and I was the producer for that and then you know Jesse Ventura wins the governor, and. The plan for nine to noon turns into be uh, PA in Bay, and so I've been with him ever since, and um, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun. We kind of grew up together. Uh, we were doing cybercast together. So before he was doing play by play with the Vikings, he and I would travel to these 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 uh, away stadiums and find little cubby holes or little suites or old press box that we could kind of do an internet broadcast for the Vikings from. So uh, we both kind of learned the business together. Um, but no, he's he's certainly a, he's certainly a rare talent. Um, He's completely devoted to two things: work and his family he's a he's a man of faith, he's a man of his family, and he's a man of his work, and that's all he wants to do and so um he's unique. There's no question anybody that knows Paul Allen knows how unique he is, but he's a hell of a talent, and uh, we got a few of those guys around here
0: was it what was the dynamic like going from having Paul Allen essentially be your boss when he's the talent and you're the producer? to flipping the role when you went into management you know i
1: don't think either of us have ever felt that way i don't think i ever felt of him as being my boss at the time and technically you know while i might be by title right now i don't think he feels as if that way we kind of all just work together the only boss things i do with him is help him with things that a boss would you know whether it's you know all the behind the scenes stuff that goes into it or the business operation kind of stuff but um he never was a guy that was telling me what to do when i was producing his show and i've never really been a guy telling him what to do when I'm the program director, and he's doing his show we, we we've we've kind of struck a relationship like that he's almost like a big brother to me, and a lot of these guys have been like that um, but so I, it's never really neither of us have really felt like one 's a boss over the other i don 't think that's
0: ever been the case with us so you mentioned that you thought that you figured out that your talent was essentially identifying and working with talent, and at kfan you have a a really wide variety of different kinds of shows that you have. Uh, talked about Paul Allen, uh, common man in the afternoon is completely different. Uh, how do you identify talent uh, that you know will fit your market and particular time slots?
1: You know, I, I think one thing I've always looked for, uh, with all the guys that we've hired, you know, over the years, you know, obviously Dan Barrera and Dan Cole were already here, uh, but the, the support staff in the, in the show that that come with it, we've always looked for personality and entertaining uh, uh, factors that they might have more so than stats and information. Um, sports radio is a format that still, I think is a little bit archaic in which people think they need to be always providing stats and information. Uh, I think just like any sort of entertainment, you want to keep the uh, the viewer or the listener uh, excited, entertained, uh, provoked. Um, you want to give them reason to, want to come back and return and um you know anybody can get stats nowadays so so we've we've focused on the entertainment and we have shows our conversations about their upcoming shows it's it's with that in mind so um whether it's hiring you know brandon malesky justin guard Corey cove, paul lambert eric nordquist uh chris hockey those kind of guys that that came in you know a little bit younger than than dan cole and dan barrero they were all entertaining they all had great ideas they're all super hard workers um, but never in the conversation was tell me your thoughts on man-to-man defense versus zone. Tell me your thoughts on the bullpen. Those are never parts of our conversations. Our conversations were always, uh, give me your ideas. How are you going to be entertaining? What, what kind of bid ideas do you have? Um, and you just kind of once, once, you, once you understand that, you just trust them to go out and, and do that and kind of trust them to go out and make plays, and they all do.
0: And you mentioned that it wasn't particularly difficult to work with anybody on the staff, but – You know, I know a lot of radio people, and I know just about all of them have big egos, and I'm sure at times, uh, over a long period of time, have clashes and disagreements. And I guess what is the key to keeping everybody happy from your position and managing conflict when there is one?
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny you say that. When I I did take over as program director, that was the main thing I wanted to do is just make sure that You know, everybody got along to at least to the point of respecting each other, and and we've been lucky to have that. Um, It's 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 not like unlike any other business. I mean, any other business. If you're in a sales job, there's probably some guy that does the best uh, job selling and makes the most money, and has a little bit of an ego because of that. Um, Any manager has to manage their employees, and 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 every employee is different and has different needs and wants and, and and requirements. And you know, yeah, everybody's everybody on kfan has found success but i don't think any of them have really let it go too far to their head um because if you look around we we got the hardest working guys in the business and in the format there's no there's no question in my mind about that um well most of them um but they so they so yeah there's there's clashes at times but i'm not i'm not even kidding you we're pretty lucky they all get along we we all have a good time with each other you know, occasionally we'll hang out outside of the office, but for the most part, everybody comes to work with their friends during the day, and then we leave to go back to our families and our other friends at night. Um, there's never really that dread of going to work with somebody or how am I going to deal with this guy. Um, there's certain topics and subjects that come up that might, you know, rub one guy wrong more than the other, or there's certain things that we have to ask him to do as managers that, you know, none of us want to do, and some of them will be more willing to do it than others. Um, but everybody's got their own, you know, their own – their own ticks i guess and and that goes to be said i would imagine in any business or any walk of life so um you just get to hear our guys talk about it on the radio every day as opposed to the guy that's working in the office that you know will go home and tell his family and friends but you know the general public wouldn't know so eagles yeah they're a part of the business and i've been around them and i get uh, you know i have the opportunity to work with a few different radio stations across the country at times and i'm not just saying it. we're pretty blessed here because for the most part our guys have uh have remembered where they came from, and have stayed pretty humbled and and, and continued to work.
0: What I always chuckle about when I'm listening to your guys' station is that how much you kind of allow your talent to to almost poke fun at you on the air. And uh, (laughs) it's a running bit with a lot of your hosts. Is there a certain line that you tell them not to cross on that, or is it uh, everything fair game?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, they don't get personal. I mean, you open with the Star Wars bit. You know, I, Truth be told, I'll let you behind the curtain. I can't stand Star Wars. And that came up because I was telling one of our guys to move on because they were talking too much Star Wars. And so, of course, rather than do that, they wanted to make fun and make it be like I really wanted them to. So there's things like that that I can roll with. I can get made fun of. It's If you take yourself that seriously in this kind of a format, you're not going to last very long. And so, uh, if it gives them a sounding board or it gives them a bit and, uh, and, and kind of lets listeners like, yeah, I, my boss bugs me when he does that too. I, I'm fine with that. It doesn't bog me at all. Um there's no line that we've really uh, addressed or drew out for the guys. It's more, uh, I think everybody just realizes you're not going to get too personal, and they don't do that with most of their subject matter, and they, they generally don't do that with me either. So, no, I've never really had to draw a line. I, I, I don't mind. They can, they can do what they want. As long as it keeps them happy and keeps them coming back to work every day, I'm fine with it.
0: <laughs> so usually we talk to play-by-play people on this podcast, but occasionally we try to have – Uh, decision-makers, program directors, and other different types of people related to the business. So I'd be remiss not to ask you how important play-by-play rights are to building a great sports radio brand. You guys have the Vikings, the Gophers, and the Wild. Uh, How important are those rights and those broadcasts to what you do?
1: Well, I think they're certainly important because they add to what you would do at night. You know, not many stations are going to be live, you know, 24 hours a day. So it's just great extension to the programming. Um, we strategically wanted the teams that we have. Um, we're, we're very excited to get the Vikings. I, I mentioned I kind of started doing the Vikings play-by-play with PA. I would produce him doing a cybercast before you could listen to, to games on the Internet. And we had the Vikings prior to that, um, but at the time – Um, The station that had the rights after we lost them the first time didn't want to do internet play-by-play, so it allowed us to do that. But what it really opened my eyes to is is the relationships you can form with these teams that can help you with content and and how we can help support each other. So we're really lucky, and if you look around the country, the relationships and the types of relationships we have with with these teams and how they're built – are really somewhat unique, and um, it's it's not just the play-by-play at night, but it's the opportunities it provides you during the week, and it's the relationships you get to forms with these guys. So um, we're, we're pretty lucky in that they know that if things aren't going well, we're going to talk about it, and we never, ever tell our guys what to say about the teams. Um, and the teams understand that and know that going in. But it gives uh not only KFM, but our entire cluster here at iHeartRadio, The opportunity to get in front of fans and listeners in a variety of different ways so it's more the partnership to me than the actual play-by-play of the games those are really fun to have and it's really important um but you can't just make a living on having play-by-play rights at night it's how it's what you do with the relationship beyond just the play-by-play and i think we've done a good job with that
0: and we're pretty lucky to have those three partners you mentioned it's that time of the podcast where i talk to you about why i like st double a And there's a lot of reasons, but the one particularly right now that I want to share is when you're a member of STAA, there is a members-only section. And one of the things that John Chelesnick does for members is he hosts monthly group critique sessions where he basically takes five minutes of play-by-play from any member who sends it to him. And he will break it down in great depth and give pointers and make suggestions. I recently took part in that with some newer work and it was actually very complimentary as I've, I've really improved my play-by-play and a large portion of that credit goes to STAA. You can, of course, join STAA and I get a small commission if you join it by going to the slash score, and you get a free ebook The Smart Way to Get a Broadcasting Job A Complete Guide to Cold Contacting Employers that's written by John Chelesnick I use personally a lot of the methods in that book in order to reach decision makers in the market that I'm in so it's an excellent bonus and if you sign up now the sooner you get started the sooner you can work on getting better so again sign up for STAA. if you're on the fence there's no better time than now stA talent.com slash say the damn score now back to the podcast so I'm sure that you get uh, badgered with emails just about every day from uh up-and-coming or relocating broadcasters trying to get your attention. What gets your attention, and what do you look for in a young up-and-coming talent that may want to get a foot in the door?
1: Uh, well, there's a few things. And, again, like we mentioned earlier in the, in, in the, in the podcast, it's, it's evolved. It's changed a lot. Uh, before, you would say, go out, find a job, get some experience, you know, and bring that experience back. And I still think that's priority number one. Um, but a lot of those jobs in small town markets don't exist, sadly enough, anymore. And so you kind of have to get creative. And, and you know, it, there would be times we'd say, take a tape recorder, go sit, you know, up in the uh, upper balls of a stadium, and do play by play. Or you and a buddy do a show together on a tape recorder and send it in. Let's see what it sounds like. Because everybody says they can talk sports, but it's not about talking sports. It's about being entertaining. Um, and the same goes for play-by-play. Um, but now you can kind of do that through podcasting. So that's one thing that podcast allows you to do. You might not get a lot of listeners, but it gives you the reps. So you're looking for somebody that has some reps, some practice, some th- some uh, experience doing a variety of different things. And in all media businesses nowadays, you need to be able to do more than, you know, you can't just be on TV and only do TV. You're going to, a lot of those TV guys will do some of their own editing. They'll do some of their own filming. They'll do some writing. Same goes for radio and newspaper. You know, I, I need, there's guys that need to be able to blog, that need to be able to do a podcast, need to edit their own production that can do play by play, that can, they, you know, that can help on a sales call. You know, ultimately we're in the money or we're in the business to make money. And so how, how you can help the company do that with a variety of different tools is what's most appealing to me. And then lastly, it's just somebody that wants to say yes. I mean, it's not easy. Everybody that started in radio started out making almost no money and, it's still never going to be a job for most people where you're 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 crushing it financially, um, but it beats a lot of other work. And so if you can just stick with it and do it, and we've had the guys that are on staff full time here, we're all the guys that grinded through the hard years of not making much money and you know working nights and weekends, and they stuck with it, stuck with it, stuck with it until an opportunity came. And that's the kind of guy you're looking for. So when we even hire just a part time position. I mean, uh, when I hire just somebody to do eight hours a week to work part-time, we'll get, you know, hundreds of resumes. And you sort through them, and when you start talking to people, you, you're you always looking for that guy that might work part-time for two or three years, but eventually if a full-time position opens up, he'll be the one there, and he'll be the one with the experience, and he'll be the one that will keep that same work ethic. Um, so to me, perso- personally, I'm just looking for somebody that wants to work hard because it's it's fewer and far, to, uh, far between to find the, that nowadays. And uh, so you're just looking for somebody
0: that wants to grind. Some of the other things I've asked decision-makers in the past that I thought led to interesting answers is what doesn't get your attention? What do people do who are trying to get your attention that maybe rub you the wrong way or make you angry?
1: Well, I, I mean, nothing really makes me angry about uh, about wanting a job or, or, or trying to get your attention. I think the most overrated thing, at least for my business, or the most overrated entry point for me in a conversation, whether somebody sends a resume or whether somebody has somebody call on their behalf is oh he's really into sports? He could recite every team and every roster in the NFL. I, that does nothing for me. Um, it really doesn't. I, I'd rather have a guy that knows nothing about sports but is entertaining and wants to work hard than somebody that you know really knows everything about the bullpen of the Twins or can tell you who the best six-man in the NBA is. Uh, to me, that's I almost tune out immediately when they when they lead with that. That's not what matters in this in this business, in my opinion. Um, and I know there's other people, a lot of people that disagree with me and disagree with our format and the way we go about it here. But for what we do here, that doesn't mean anything to me.
0: So I want to transition from that, and we may get back to more nitty-gritty inside stuff, but asking around to some people I know that know you, I was told to bring up a couple different things. The first one is... Is it true or not true that you may have once reconstructed the green monster of a wiffle ball field in your backyard?
1: My gosh, do you? I want to know who you know. Uh, yeah. We'll yeah, talk, to, I, we'll talk I, afterwards. I did. I did. I, uh, that's unbelievable, man. Um, yeah, I did. We had a, we had a wiffle ball field in a, in a lot next to our yard growing up as kids. And, uh, and, and yeah, I got some sheets of plywood and pounded some stakes in and, Painted the most flimsy green monster you ever had, but I uh, ever saw. But yeah, we had a we loved playing wiffle ball, and we loved to, uh, you know I, I didn't hit many home runs in, in in as a kid growing up and in high school, so I needed to hit them in wiffle ball, and so that's what we found to do for fun. And uh, yeah, I did. It was a lot of fun.
0: Uh, say, did you get mad when and wish you would have made it lower when you hit the wall with uh with your left field shot? Yeah, yeah,
1: no, I'd blame you know, I'd say it was the bat's fault. The bat was dented or. You know, we'd, we'd tap up the bats to, give them a little, to make them a little heavier just so we could hit some home runs. But, no, I, I certainly didn't hit as many
0: home runs as some of, some of my buddies did play in. Uh, one of the other things I wanted to talk about, you mentioned earlier you were an assistant football coach for St. Thomas Academy here in the Twin Cities. How did that opportunity come about, and what made you decide to dive into that world?
1: Um, You know, when I was playing, I kind of had the idea that I'd like to 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 come back and coach um when i was playing high school football i'm talking about and uh, i had the opportunity to come back and and help out with the two guys that were really two of the most important men outside of my you know my my parents and my outside of my father and my grandfather was was two of my football coaches uh dave zebarth and bob slater were really really important guys to me and i saw what they were able to do to help me and to help my friends at the time and i thought well that'd be a fantastic opportunity to be able to give back so um shortly out of college i i started coaching and i was an assistant coach and i just i've been there ever since and i just i just love it i just love the ability to it's it's a lot like radio just to to help people get in, in positions to do well and there's nothing better that's why i maybe i it's part of the reason i like being behind the scenes in radio there's nothing better than to watch somebody that worked really hard find success and if you can help them do that um it's it's even more rewarding and um, that school and those guys I mentioned were really important into who I am and what I became uh with my career and um stuff I learned while playing high school football, which I think is the greatest sport there is. Um so I wanted to give back and, and I've I've been there ever since. I can't I can't quit it. I can't quit it. I really I really
0: enjoy doing that. And you guys at Saint Thomas won a state championship this year, right?
1: No, I wish we would have. Thank you, though. Uh, well, we, sorry. we made it to the state. We made it to the state championship, and we lost in the in the state championship to a really good Owatonna team.
0: All right. Well, sorry for bringing up bad memories, but uh.
1: <laughs> that's all right. We don't. You know, we really, really want to win a championship someday. It's been a long time since we have. But uh, if, if you're coaching only to win a state championship,
0: you're probably not coaching for the right reasons. What about coaching? Have you learned? What have you learned from coaching that's made you a better PD?
1: You no, know, I kind of, I kind of just mentioned it. I, I think it's putting guys in positions to do well. Um, you know, when you, when you practice during the week, you, you practice and you try to give your players, you know, get them the best, you know, help them become the most prepared they can to do well in the game and then, you know, to, to do well and to learn from things like that. But specific to the game and to performing, you try to get them in the best position to perform well um and once they get on the field there's nothing you can do about it you just have to hope that um you were able to help them during the week to prepare for that game it's the same with radio i you know I, these guys are more talented than me than on the air the, the staff we have on campaign are obviously more talented than i would ever be on the air so what can i do well i can help them be the best prepared they can be i can help them remove all the obstacles that that will cause them to to not play fast during the week so they can just focus on their job so once they turn on the mic, there's nothing I can do. It's up to them. They're the talented ones, not me. Um so helping them get in position to win is is I find that same uh, feeling in in football and coaching high school football is getting those guys in position to win um and to do well and to perform and to make a lot of people happy. That's that's the rewarding thing for me. So that same reward comes from coaching as it does to managing
0: staff here at the station. Tell us about your National Guard helicopter ride.
1: Man, I want to know who the heck you're talking to. I got some loud mouth to talk to. Uh, yeah, I was, the Vikings had a trip up to to Camp Ripley on a on a helicopter ride and, um, uh, in a, you know, I'm forgetting the name of the helicopter. It's based on me right now. Blackhawk. And, uh, and so they asked if I'd like to go with and, and, and I went with and, um, sitting in the helicopter, you get, they landed right in Eden Prairie where, when the Vikings were at Winter Park and they landed right on the football field and so, a handful of Vikings players and coaches and, and a couple of slappies like myself were able to get in and go, and um I had just – see, I'm Lebanese, and we we eat a lot of garlic sauce, and here's a little trick. If you eat a lot of garlic, if you drink a lot of orange juice following, it it generally helps your, uh, your garlic breath go away. So I had a lot of garlic the day before, and I'm like, I don't want to stink like garlic on this helicopter, so I'm going to just guzzle a bunch of orange juice. Well, that's not a good idea to do when you're going to go – uh, on a helicopter ride, in which I thought was going to be a nice, smooth ride, and it was until we got close to Camp Ripley. Then the, uh, <laughs> the pilot decided to take us through the River Valley, and we were going in and out like you would play with a GI Joe uh, uh, figure. We were z- zigging and zagging and spinning, and, and I got sick, and I threw up. <laughs> I get, I'm, a mo- I'm, I'm a wimp when it comes to being motion sick, man. I get motion sick a lot.
0: So one of the other stories that I found that is – not necessarily as lighthearted as some of the other ones that I talked to was uh, your station for a long time, had a a relationship with a personality named dark star who would come on and, uh, and be part of your guys' show, a contributor. And if I read correctly, you were the one who found him when he didn't show up one day passed away. What was the story there?
1: Yeah, that was not a good day. Um, yeah, Dark was, uh when he, when he quit working at WCCO Radio, he was just looking to do, to kind of keep his, his foot in the door and, and just still um, whet his appetite with radio, so he started coming on here, and he became a really good friend to a lot of us, and uh he was quite the character. Um I only wish we would have met him sooner, because he, he fit right in with our guys, because um, he was personality-driven, he was entertainment-driven, and he was a friend to a lot of us, including a couple people outside of the building, so... A friend of mine, Bob from the Vikings, and I were good friends with him. And um when Dark didn't show up one day, Common came out, was a little worried, and because Dark came once a week, and like I said, he wanted to keep that foot in the door, so he never missed, he was never late. Well, he wasn't here, and so my friend called me and said, "Hey, should we go out there and check on him?" So we we both did, and uh, we got—he was living in an apartment building—and we got the the manager to open the door and went in there, and, and, and sure enough, found him passed away. So. That was a sad day. It was, it was sad because, you know, you, I just knew, in fact, I'll never forget it, walking up to the door of his apartment, it was at the end of a hall, and the newspaper was still laying in the front of the door, and we were out there later in the afternoon. So, as soon as I saw that newspaper laying there that, you know, hadn't been touched by dark in the morning, uh, I knew it probably wasn't good once we got in. So, that was a, that was a sad deal for not just this radio station, for the entire market, because he had a lot of friends and a lot of people who were
0: entertained by dark for years moving on from that part of being a manager is is making hard decisions and every now and then having to let some people go and i don't want to get into any particular situations but you've had some people uh fighting demons or just budgetary issues and every now and then you have to you know let people go how do you make those hard decisions
1: not easily you're right they're they're very hard they're very hard and some are within your control and some are outside of your control um it's it's and, and oftentimes they're friends. um it's the worst part of the business. It's the worst part of being a manager in any business. I'm sure if, you know I know I have other friends and, and family that are that are managers and have had to do something similar and, and they all agree it's it's the worst part of any business. You're changing somebody's livelihood, you're changing the way their their, their family goes about you know, making a living or the structure of their family. so it's it's not easy. You do the the best you can to try to prevent that. You try to coach the people up, help the people out as best you can. You try to find ways to, to to trim the budget and to cut back on certain things, so you can try to keep staff as much as you can. Um, but some things are without your control. You know, I, I don't own the, we don't, own, nobody here owns KFAN. We have owners, and right now we're lucky to have iHeartRadio as our as our owner. But um, you can't control them. They're the ones that own the, the the property. They're the ones that own the business. And sometimes you get edicts that you have to make some moves. And um, we're just the last voice that the person hears before you say that we're going to have to go in a different direction. So it's. It's the worst part of my job. I hate it. I, I haven't had to do it too often, and, but when I have, I've I've not enjoyed it. Um, but you just have to make this decision that's best for everybody. And you know, again, it's it's a lot like life, man. There's sometimes you have to make decisions for your household that aren't fun, but it's it's in the best interest of everybody. And and that's
0: kind of the case when you when
1: you have to make those decisions as a manager.
0: How have you adjusted the way that you program your radio station and maybe? the other audio content that you offer through your radio station with the changing technology and the more streaming and podcasting and how have you adjusted to, to that new reality? You know, I think the thing we've
1: done best is we were among the first to really embrace that. Um, and when I mean by, I mean, embrace it in that we put our audio on demand. It's not, you know, it's, it's 2019, man. It's not, there's nothing new about putting your audio online now. Um, but we just embrace that you, you can listen to us anywhere, anytime, you know, um, it's just another way to listen to our content. And that's what you want to do is if something's going to listen, somebody's going to go out of their way and seek your content, um, they're going to look for other ways to, to consume it as well. And so the thought was always, Hey, if they missed our show and they can listen back to it, while it might not count in the ratings, that'll have them uh, want to consume more of it. If you keep them entertained and they'll have to come to the radio station uh, to, to, to do that. So, um, we started doing a show years ago called Fan On Demand on the air, and what we do is we'd highlight portions of the day that were available online. And so, what we've really done, uh, we've really worked to is to try to, you know, have terrestrial radio support um, our online uh, audio availability and vice versa. Um, and thankfully, because we did that so early on, and because all of our guys embraced it, uh, we're among the leaders in our company and, and certainly within the format um, in doing so. And our guys. You know, our guys, uh, um, all, all the on-air guys, if you look at their social followers, they're enormous followers uh, following, and that's something that people seek to do, right? You don't make somebody become a follower on Twitter or Facebook. They choose to do so, and they're choosing to do so for a reason, and it's it's the personality that they want to consume more of. And so it all kind of ties together, in my opinion. Um, I, I think
0: we were just early adapters to it is all. What do you look at as far as someone with their social media feeds because you want to give a glimpse to your personality and you want to share uh some interesting stuff but it's also really easy to overshare and make a large part of your audience upset with a political tweet or something uh something else that's not sports radio related what do you tell your talent to do on social media and what not to do
1: you know i really don't it's kind of back to what I said about coaching. You get, you put them in positions to do the best they can, and you, you try to help them with as much as you can, and then you gotta let them make plays and let them be themselves. And um, our guys are all themselves. We really don't tell them what to do. On social media is theirs. Their Twitter account is theirs. They own that. We don't tell them what to do and not to do. Now, if they might if they tweet something about a client or about a listener or do something that's you know off color to a certain extent, you might say you know Hey, let's be careful there because." that could affect you and the business and you know, your career, but haven't had to do that almost ever with anybody. And again, I, I, it's not my position to tell them what they can and can't say. We want them to be themselves and we want them to be themselves when they're on the air. So uh, as I mentioned, it's just an extension of their show and it's an extension of their brand. So a podcast is an extension to their daily show and their Twitter is an extension to their personality. that's on that daily show. So, um, if they're being themselves, they'll keep people entertained. and, And that's our, that's our main goal. Um, But I I just don't think that's the position of of management to tell them what to do and what not to do because they're they're not being themselves. And I think listeners eventually will realize that if they're talking on behalf or through somebody else.
0: I think I read somewhere, and I I couldn't find it again, so I'm not 100% sure, but I think I read that you guys had uh, maybe the biggest market share uh, for a sports radio station of any market in the country i'm not a hundred percent certain on that i couldn't find the stat but so you guys are doing extremely well yeah,
1: well, yeah we are Th- that 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 might have been recently on social media we have, uh, somebody put that out there um the month of november which was you know the mo- was the recent one at the time um there's websites that will you know not all ratings are public it's, a, it's something you have to subscribe to so radio stations subscribe to it and some clients and ad agencies subscribe to it but you can't give all the details out. So obviously sports radio is a men 25, 54 driven demo. Um, There's some websites that'll give out like 12, uh, persons, 12 ages of, uh, 12 years of age and older, um, the rating shares for that. And so this thing, this website, uh, posted all the shares for all the markets and somebody went through and, uh, and pulled all the different markets. And yeah, the month of November we had the highest share for, um, I think it was persons, uh, 12 plus, um, Within this format, so we had the high we had a, you know we were in the six something share, which is really good. it's something we're really really, really proud of. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean we have more listeners and people in New York because New York's a bigger market, but from a market share standpoint, um we're fortunate that we play with the big music stations, and so that's kind of our goal is not to just to be the best talk station in town it's to be the best station in town. Um, so if you have a high share, you have a good chance of doing that. So, yeah, from a sports radio station uh, comparison across the country, we're usually one of the highest performers, and we're really proud
0: of that. So the reason I bring that up is because you guys obviously are kicking butt locally, but uh, corporately, iHeart is publicly either is going through or has gone through bankruptcy in the recent past. I didn't uh, double-check that before I talked, but I was just curious how that affects you locally.
1: It doesn't at all. It, that, that's a that's a you know that's a banking, um, you know. I'm not, I know I don't want to speak out of turn and give out more information than I'm supposed to, but that that's a financial investor um, negotiation that's going on there. That's um, from the company that acquired us and the company that sold us. That that hasn't really affected anything we've done. Um, if you look around, uh, we're we're really blessed with this company because we uh, we're the first to do a lot of different things, and um, not once has it been hey we got to tighten up the. The belt strings here, or the the belt loop here, because uh, we're gonna have to pay some creditors back. You know, it's we operate smartly, and we have to do that on a local level. Um, But I mean, we've we've we probably got one of the highest payrolls in the in the market. I mean, uh, in the format as well, Um, because we've got guys that have been here a long time, and the company sees the value in the the talent that we have, and um, that's never stopped us before. So it's it's an overrated uh, aspect of uh, of our business, I think.
0: I think it was 2011, you guys switched from an AM signal to an FM signal, which at the time was, I mean, that happens all the time now, but wasn't happening a lot then. If I remember right, there was a little bit controversial. Uh, any, th- Just kind of walk us through that decision and that process.
1: Well, you know, we weren't able to do it until we came, became really successful on the AM dial. I, th- I think um, it's o- it's it's something that certainly helped us, but it's an overrated part of our story in that we had personalities and we were doing very, very well from a rating standpoint. And that allowed the company to make the decision at the time, like, all right, well, if we're going to give up this much ratings and revenue on an AM signal, how much more can they make on the FM signal? So if we weren't successful on the AM station, on the AM side of things, we never would have made the switch to FM. So that's what we had to do from a financial standpoint is like, all right, well, we, we make this and from a rating standpoint, we get this. How much more is that going to increase? Um, and so we were able to do that, um, but it was all driven by the personalities that we had that it, it, frequency is certainly helpful, um, but especially nowadays that you can listen online and you can listen through apps and you can listen through your phones um, it, it's you still if you don't have the personalities there there's plenty of f m stations around the country that you can point to that don't have very good ratings um, you have to have personalities and you have to be entertaining so Um, It was just a way for us to take something that was good and make it great, and we were able to do that uh, by making that switch in 2011. Um, But, you know, it's still – you know I I also uh, um, program the AM Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130 uh, here in town, and I'm very prideful that it's the highest-ranked AM station because um, I think we have personalities there that can make people listen and come back. So it's helpful, um, but you have to be successful on the AM dial before you can make that switch to the FM, and that's what we were able to do.
0: A good program director acts as a bridge between the on-air talent and the sales staff. What is the the methods and keys that that you practice to make sure that there's no animity between talent and sales, which oftentimes there's oftentimes there can be.
1: There can be. Uh, we're also pretty lucky here that we've got a great sales staff, and, and our guys, if you listen to the radio, you hear a heck of a lot of endorsements, um, and that's because uh, our sales staff and the programming side of things get along really well, and it's also because we, we, uh, we do really well for the clients. That's why you hear a lot of these same clients on the air for years and years and years, because it works. Endorsements work, and the talent know that, if they work hard with the sales staff and with the client... Um, They'll make the station money. They'll make themselves money, and more importantly, they'll make the clients money. And that's our that's our game. We wanna we want we want to win on the radio side of things, and we want to win on the rating side of things. But ultimately, every company is in the business to make money, and we want to make our company money. And we want to make our market money. So. Um we, we do as much as we can to help with sales on that. And so I am the conduit somewhat. Um if a if a if a sales staff is looking for a, an endorser for a certain product, they'll come and say, Hey, what do you think about this? Is there anybody that's in a situation where they need this or in a family situation that requires this and, and you try to make those matches? Um but we're lucky because not only do we have the on air talent, we got great contributors that come onto the station once or twice a week that also can do endorsements. Um and so uh, you're just trying to find the best niche for a client because ultimately we want the client to succeed because if they succeed, they're going to want to continue to market and use us to do that. And so um, we all realize it. The sales staff realizes that, uh, you know, they're better if uh, the programming guys are doing well for them and the programming guys realize that they're better and they're making more money if they're doing well for the clients. So um uh, it's just making sure everybody realizes and understands that and stays up on their work, you know, gets their spots cut when they're supposed to get them cut and goes out and meets a client when they're supposed to meet a client. And sometimes you got to give on the programming side of things to make a client uh, successful and, and vice versa. So it's just kind of striking that balance between the both sides.
0: So I ask everyone who comes on what their broadcasting horror stories are. And since you're not on the air very frequently, this might be a little different for you, but can you think of a time when you were part of a remote broadcast or event, or really anything in your career where everything just went completely horribly wrong in a way that was mortifying at the moment, but you can look back on now and smile?
1: Well, when I first started programming the station, um, you know, meaning that I was in charge of everything that goes on, you know, but, you know, Monday through Friday, running through Sunday, six a.m. to you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. There's there's certain things that sometimes if you forget, you know, you'll cause dead air. That's the biggest program uh, concern as a program director is, you know, oh shoot, did I remember to switch the channel on that receiver so you know this program's on or that game's on? So um, there's been times where I've woken up in the middle of the night and and turned on the I have a radio still right next to my bed and I'll turn it on and I'll be like, crap I forgot to change that signal or um, I'll be in church and I'll. uh you know I'll dial up the listen line in the back of church real quick to make sure that programming's on um you know i I guess there's a quite a few little instances like that where I maybe have forgotten to schedule something correctly. I don't do it thankfully as much now as I did years ago um and maybe that was one of the benefits of of, of uh kind of breaking in on the a m side of things um so by the time we got to the f m where it's more apparent when when things don't sound correctly i I had worked out those kinks, but those are the things that would that would keep me up at night or you know, keep me from, from paying attention to something else I was doing is because you, you have to be cognizant of what's on the radio at all times, all days, uh, you know, all holidays, weekends, stuff like that. So, yeah, every once in a while I'd click on the radio and hear dead air and I would know before I clicked on it that I forgot to do something and then you hear that dead air and you're like, oh, darn it, how could I be such an idiot and forget to change that? So, um, I,
0: I bet the word wasn't like that. I bet the word wasn't actually darn it no it wasn't.
1: <laughs> it wasn't maybe when i was at church it was darn it but yeah i might have had a few swear words be- between now and then and, and my family can attest to that
0: who are your favorite broadcasters to listen to and since you're going to be biased since you're a program director let's go out of the twin cities market if you're just tuning in to listen to a great talent or a great play-by-play broadcaster uh, who do you like to listen to
1: well, Kevin Harlan, when it comes to play-by-play, with to me is the best. Um, and you know, part of that goes back to when I was working here. I would, you know, early years, I would run the board for Timberwolves games, and he was the play-by-play guy for Timberwolves games. So I got to hear, you know, every broadcast. And you know, if, if anybody can remember hearing Tom Hanneman and Kevin Harlan on the radio broadcast when the Wolves were just awful, and they'd have to, you know, try to get through two or three quarters, those were some of the most entertaining entertaining nights of, of my of my career. And so to hear him on like Westwood One um, doing play by play. You can hear the description. You can hear the, um, the cadence. You can hear how prepared he is. I think he's as, as good as it gets from a play by play standpoint. Um, I think radio really misses Mike Goldberg from Mike and Mike in the morning. Um, I always would, would, listen to him and he, he prepared for a show. I think better than anybody. He would always have, uh, teases to keep listeners, uh, listening through a break. He was always well prepared. He always had a good structure. I think he was really good. Um, you know, in the iHeart family that we have here, Softy in Seattle is a guy that could fit on KFAN in a moment, um, because he's entertaining and passionate and works really hard. Um, I think he does a really good show. So, there, there's, there's, there's quite a few of them. Um, for years I used to always pay attention to what they were doing at the ticket down in Dallas. I couldn't tell you the lineup currently right now. Um, but I thought as far as sports radio stations go, everybody always talks to, about WFAN as, as the leader, and they certainly are. Um, but I thought the guys down in Dallas were doing a really good job on the ticket, you know, in the in the '90s, and I kind of followed a lot
0: of what they were doing. If somebody wanted to reach out to you for any advice or for any other reason, how would they do so?
1: Oh, they're, you're, well, they're welcome to shoot me an email, Chad Abbott at KFAN dot com. Uh, happy to help. You know, I wish wish we could offer uh, more positions and more jobs and more opportunities than we're able to. Um, but, but I'm I'm certainly help, you know willing to to help out as much as I can. Somebody did that for me years ago, and I've kind of always said I you know if I'm the guy that turns those kind of opportunities down to help other people, you know, what a hypocrite I would be. Um, so yeah, Chad Abbott at KFN.com. Shoot me an email.
0: Thanks for listening to the Say the Damn Score podcast. Remember to subscribe to the show on the platform of your choice by clicking the big red subscribe button at the top of SaytheDamnScore.com. Also, please follow me on the social media outlet of your choice. I respond quickest on Twitter, where my handle is at radio underscore Logan. I'd be happy to be followed and follow you back. Remember, iTunes reviews, emails, or any other kind of honest feedback is greatly appreciated and helps me to make the show better. It may affect the algorithms and making it easier to find. I'm not that concerned about that. I just like the feedback. And finally, please reach out to the guests of the show so they know you appreciate them sharing their stories, their great resources, and gave up their time to come on the pod and help out uh, aspiring up-and-coming sportscasters. So just give them a tweet or an email or whatever they ask for on uh, the specific show that they are on. As always, I'm Logan Anderson, and the next time you're on the air, make sure to say the damn score just a little bit more.